You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. And good morning to those of you that are listening by podcast. We appreciate you so much. Um, Man, what a special day. What a special day to be up here and preach on Mother's Day. Let's give it up for all the mothers in the room. You guys do so much, and you are so appreciated. The, the work that you do, the love that you give, all that stuff, man. We, we can't say thank you enough. We, we thank you so much for that. And I got to tell you that I am so nervous to be preaching this morning on Mother's Day. Like, this is a big deal because angry women are scary, but angry mothers are scarier and I have dealt with angry mothers in my time, not only my own, but other, other people's. And oh my gosh, you just get, step back, put your hands up and step back. Just let them do what they got to do. So there's a lot of pressure on me because if this message isn't good, we're going to have some angry mothers and they're all going to be coming after me. So give me grace, please. Um, so th- thank you all the mothers in the room for all the awesomeness that you do. And as amazing as you are, like I said, we just cannot thank you enough. So as you know, we are in our series theme called Corrective Lenses, and that is things that help us see Jesus more clearly. So last week, you guys heard about the practice of letting Scripture speak, which is so important because Scripture comes to us from God, and God is amazing. Scripture is God-breathed, and so we need to let Scripture speak. And then next week, you will be learning about the practice of prayer and meditation, which is taking, talking and listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is also so important. Oftentimes the Holy Spirit is overlooked uh, in churches, unfortunately, because he is God the Spirit. We got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. So talking and listening to the Holy Spirit. But today we are learning about the practice of generosity. And before we tear apart a scripture from 1 Timothy all about generosity, I want to tell you guys about a time in my life where I felt pretty generous. Felt pretty good about myself and being generous, and it's kind of pathetic, so bear with me. Uh, but I was at Cedar Point. Who's been to Cedar Point? So good. So good. So good that it makes you not want to go to Kennywood anymore because Kennywood pales in comparison to Cedar Point. So we're at Cedar Point, and one of the reasons why I love Cedar Point so much is not only because of the awesome roller coasters, uh, all the stuff they got there, but Charlie Brown. <laughs> is a part of Cedar Point. And if you know me, or when you get to know me, you will know that Charlie Brown is a huge part of my life. I love Charlie Brown. This is the second time I preached here, and the first time I preached here, I used Charlie Brown as an illustration. Charlie Brown, I love him. And Snoopy and all the characters that go along with that. So this park, Cedar Point, they partner with them, and they use that. Charles Schultz is a genius for creating Charlie Brown. I just, I love that man, and I don't even know him. Uh, but we're walking around, and I'm with my youth group at the time, and we're looking for a place to eat. And so we're like walking around, la, 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 la. And in the corner of my eye, I spot none other than Snoopy's Cafe. And I was like, there! That is our destination. That is where we must go. We cannot eat anywhere else. And everybody else in my group, they didn't object. So we go in there, and it was like, it was more expensive than I thought it would be, but it's Snoopy, so it's worth it. Uh, so we stayed there and we ate there and, uh, we all order our food. There are about seven of us and it took them 45 minutes to get us our food, which I mean, uh, 
it's not that long, but you're in a park. You're trying to ride rides. I got to get to the Maverick. And I'm trying to ride that. So, you know, 45 minutes, that's kind of close. So we get our food. Every single order is wrong. And I'm like, bruh, this isn't happening right now. Like our waitress was a sweetheart. She wasn't even a mean person, so I couldn't even be mad at her. But I'm just like, how did this happen? So we send all of our food back. She brings it back a second time, and four of the seven orders are wrong. And I'm like, you testing my patience, lady. Millennium Force, I got to ride it. Like, I got things I need to do. This is important. We're not here all day. We are in a youth group function. Like, you're working on my time. So we send those orders back, and we're like, hey, j- just bring us a pizza. Like, that'll be easy. So these, these three people that you got the orders right, they can eat. Just bring us a pizza. We'll be fine. Uh, and the pizza, when it was brought, was undercooked and soggy and, like, all gooey and stuff. But we were like, forget it. We're eating it. We got to go. We got things to do. This is it. So we ate it, and then we're sitting there, and we're like, look, we're all Christians. You know, we're, we're here to show the world Jesus. This lady, she's, she's a sweet waitress, but she doesn't really deserve a tip for uh, the service that we got today. But let's give her an even bigger tip than she deserves. Like, let's go above and beyond the 18%, 20%, and let's give her a huge tip. And so we all got together, and we got 50 bucks. And we went and we gave it to her. And she proceeded to tell us that this is one of the worst weeks that she's ever had. And she was just dealing with a ton of stuff and that that was such a blessing to her. And I was like, yeah, I feel good. Like, I, pr- I really only gave like $5 to this $50 tip, but I was a part of it. So it made me feel good about life. Um, and we were generous that day and it felt so good to be generous. But our generosity pales in comparison to this next story that I'm about to tell you. And we got a picture of a receipt uh, that was given. And I don't know if you guys can see this, but their bill was only $50.78. And can you tell me how many zeros you see up there? $2,000 for a tip. A tip. I don't even know what I would do if, that was, if I was that waiter or waitress. I would just like probably drop dead out of excitement because like you just don't, people don't just give you $2,000. I got family members that wouldn't just hand me $2,000. I'm trying to go to Cambodia. It costs $3,000. There ain't no family member that's just going to hand me that. I'm going to do work for other people. This was for nothing. This is a tip of $2,000 for, for service, a few hours of service. Oh, my goodness. Um, And this was given by a group of people that call themselves Tips for Jesus. And so a lot of people uh, have taken on that name. And there are many instances of tips being given. I know of two others where a $1,000 tip was given to one waiter or waitress. And then there was a $10,000 tip given to another waiter or waitress. And I couldn't help but think, oh, my goodness, I wish that was me. I am in the wrong business today. I should have been a waiter because they are getting bank. There's people walking around randomly just giving people $1,000 tips. If there is a chance that I could get a $1,000 tip one day in my life, I'm about to be a waiter. Or I want to know the person that is giving this money out because then they, they could bless me a little bit. Um, <laughs> but that's a no-brainer, right? Who wouldn't want to be the person receiving And a a $2,000 tip, a $10,000 tip, a $1,000 tip. Who wouldn't want to be that person? And as Pastor Bill and I were sitting down crafting this message, I couldn't help but think in that moment, that was my first thought. 
why did I not think to be the person that was being generous? That didn't even cross my mind. Because nobody dislikes generous people, right? Even if it's a person that you absolutely despise and they give you $10,000, you're probably going to like that person a little bit, just a tiny bit in that moment. Nobody dislikes generous people. But my first thought was to be the person that was receiving. Why didn't I think to be the person that was giving, the person that was being generous? And so my question to you this morning is, why aren't people more generous? Or better yet, why are we not generous? And I came up with a few reasons why I think it is hard for us to be generous. Maybe we think when we're richer, we'll be generous. Because I don't got wads of cash flowing out of my pockets. So it'd be hard for me to give somebody a $1,000 tip. And I'm not saying you got to give somebody a $1,000 tip. I doubt there's anybody in here that has gone to a restaurant and done that. And if you have, please be my friend. I want to know you. But maybe we think when we're richer, we'll do that. Maybe we think when we don't have any more financial troubles, when our cars are paid off, when our houses are paid off, when we're done paying off school loans or any debts that we owe, maybe then we could be generous. Maybe we'll be generous when we're guilted into it by a message kind of like this one that makes us see, oh my gosh, man, I, I need to be more generous. I need to be more like Jesus. I guess, I guess I'll give some money. I guess I'll give a greater tithe to church this week and just fulfill that, that need that I feel because I feel guilty. Or maybe when we know that we'll get back tenfold investment for the financial seed that we invested into the church or into somebody's life. Then, then we'll give, because I know I'm going to get it back 10 times. I give $1,000 and I get that back 10 times over. Mm, you better believe I'm going to be generous with my money. Maybe that is how we think. And I couldn't help but think after mulling over all those thoughts, but I am so glad that we don't serve a God that's like that. I am so glad that we serve a God that is generous with everything that he has. Because that's the only reason why we have anything that we have. Because our God is generous. And so understanding generosity is so important for us as Christians. Because when we are generous, we are more like Jesus. When we are generous, when we are selfless, we understand God a little bit more. Because he is that way at his nature and at his core. And so let's talk a little bit more about this God that is so generous. In the beginning, God gave generously. He gave us life. We didn't deserve it. We didn't need it. He didn't have to, but he did. He gave us life and he created all things. And then Jesus sacrificed generously at the cross. Again, nothing that we deserve, nothing that we earned. But he did it because he's generous and he's selfless. He is generous in the present, today, as we serve him and walk with him. And he generously offers us heaven in the future. And these are just a few ways that our God is generous. Just a few. But they encompass his generosity because it is part of who he is. It is the reason why we have everything that we have. And so we need to understand generosity better. 
And we may think that we are generous. We may think that we're generous people, and some of us are. Some of us give generously of our time, of our finances, of just everything that we have to give to people. And I don't really, like, I can't be a selfish person, for sure. My dad's sitting right there, and he's like, amen. Amen to that. You ate my food for years. (laughs) I can be a selfish person, but I don't really think about myself as the most selfish person on earth. But when I sit down and I think about if I served a God that was as generous as I was, that would be a scary thought. That would be a scary God to serve if he was as generous as I was. Because that means that there's some part of selfishness in him. And that means that there's a chance that I wouldn't have the life that I have today. Because maybe God wouldn't have given it to me. Maybe he wouldn't have thought to die on the cross for someone like me. And so we all can be more generous. There are things that we can work on to become more generous people. So we are going to take a look at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, just to get a better understanding of what generosity is. And in this scripture, the Apostle Paul, who is one of my favorite people ever, I love Paul. I don't think there's a message where I have not talked about Paul. It goes like, in the Bible, my favorite people, of course, Jesus, the Trinity, God, the Holy Spirit, all that stuff, and then Paul. Because Paul is just amazing. I love the Apostle Paul. And so he's writing this letter to Timothy. It's his first letter to Timothy. And this is at the very end of it. There are like three or four verses after this. But these three verses that we're about to read are towards the end of his letter. So this is important. This is the climax. This is the crux of a lot of the stuff that he's trying to say to Timothy to get him to understand and other people to understand. So 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 17 through 19, and it reads, Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command them to do good and to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. And so my first thought after reading those verses is that generosity is an alien concept. For us, at least. Generosity is at the core of who God is, but for us as human beings, it is an alien concept. If it wasn't, Paul wouldn't have needed to command Timothy to be generous. Paul wouldn't have needed to command Timothy to command other people to be generous if this was something that we got at our core. If this was part of our nature, that command would not be necessary. But it's not. Our sinful nature is to be selfish. That's why the fall happened with Adam and Eve way back in the beginning when God created the Garden of Eden. And they listened to the serpent, and they ate of the fruit, and they shouldn't have. And they did that because they were promised something more. And they thought it was greater than what they already had. They weren't content with God. They couldn't see that they had the best life that they could possibly have in God himself. And they wanted more. They wanted more. The promise of something more was enticing to them. 
And I fully 100% believe, looking back in the actions of my life and the things that I have chosen to do and in ways in which I have been selfish, if I was in Adam's shoes, I would have made the same mistake. I would have done the same exact thing because the promise of being more like God, the promise of having something more than I already did would have been too enticing. And it would have appealed to my selfish nature because at our core, we are not generous people. We tend to be greedy. Think about kids. Little kids, you had to teach them to be generous. They don't just pick it up. There are very few children that are just like, oh, here, you can have this. Or I know kids that like when they're really young and they don't understand anything really, they're just like pulling pacifiers out of their mouth and trying to give it to you and taking their rattles that's all slobbered on. There's like, and you take it and you're like, oh, yeah, this is for me. And then they take it right back. And then when they get a little bit older and they understand that those things are theirs, they don't even give them to you anymore. If you touch them, you're wrong. And they must be taught generosity. Because if we don't teach them generosity, then they grow up to just be completely selfish people. Because generosity is an alien concept. We are greedy people. We tend to be greedy people, which brings me to the next thought that I had, which is that greed is rooted in fear. We are greedy. We are selfish because we're afraid. And we feel those feelings because our hope is misplaced. Paul said to Timothy, that command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. We are selfish, especially with wealth, because we are afraid to lose it. Because money seems to be more tangible than God sometimes, because we can hold it right in our hands. And if I've got a $20,000 bill that I need to pay tomorrow and I've got $30,000 in my pocket, I know I can give $20,000 away and still have $10,000 left over. I feel pretty secure. That's easy. Because if I know that I'm going to give of what I have and still have some left over and then get more in the future, that's easy. That's, there is no trust involved. There's no fear involved. I feel security. But if something happens and that $30,000 just disappears somehow and I no longer have the money to pay my bills, then fear sets in because my foundation was in that wealth. It was in that money. That's where I put my hope. That's where I put my security. But when our security is in God and we understand that everything that we have comes from him, everything that we own is his, then we have the ultimate hope. And when our hope is no longer in money, we tend not to hoard that money because we tend not to fear the situations in which we will need money because we know that God will provide if it is necessary. And then when we don't hold our money with a closed fist and it's not so tight and we start to open it up a little bit, then we can give to other people and be more generous because our security is in Jesus taking care of us, not our wealth, not our things, not stuff. It is easy to think that our wealth provides for us rather than God. But it's the other way around. God provides for us, and money never will. 
ever. Greed is misplaced hope, and it always leads to worry because it places our hope in something so uncertain, something that will burn, something that will rot away with this world and everything in it. But God is eternal and everlasting, and he will be here forever. My next thought is I learn to be generous when I have ultimate hope. So when we get this ultimate hope, when we understand this ultimate hope, then we can be generous people. And again, Paul understood this. Paul was a man of status before he became an apostle. His name was actually Saul. And then God changed his life, and he changed his name to Paul. And he was a man of status. Paul had money. Paul was one of the greatest teachers in the Jewish community. He had smarts. He had wealth. He had it all. He had status. And that same man wrote this after he realized how trivial and fleeting all of that is. And he says in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, that whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. That is so amazing to me and beautiful that he could have all the stuff that he wanted in this world. But when he had Jesus, he realized that none of that meant anything. The early believers in the early church that are talked about in Acts, they got this. They understood this. Because when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, the scriptures say that they shared their wealth amongst one another. And nobody had need because all their needs were met through each other. Because they didn't live life of, no, this is mine, you can't have it. I have this, I need this in my life, I don't want you to have it. They were like, hey, you got a need, I'm going to meet that need. I'm going to help you out if I can in any way, shape, or form. I learn to be generous when I have ultimate hope. I also realized from these scriptures that a generous person is a rich person. And don't get it twisted. That doesn't mean that a person who is rich is necessarily generous. That means that a generous person is definitely rich. And I don't mean with money or anything like that. Because the richness that we get from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, is so much more than finances. It comes and stems from so much more than that. You can be generous in love. You can be generous in time. You can be generous by driving somebody when they don't have a car at the moment. You can be generous in so many ways. It doesn't always have to deal with money or connect to money. And a generous person is always rich. They are always rich. This reminds me of the story of a woman who was in the temple and Jesus was there with some of the disciples and he was just talking about how all these rich people were giving of their tithes and their offerings and all that stuff, which is great and wonderful and amazing. But then this poor woman came up and she gave two pennies, which is not much at all. But Jesus said that she was the richest person there. She was the richest because she gave out of everything that she had to give. Most of those other people that were rich, they gave out of their abundance, which is amazing. 
And that is awesome to do that. But this woman was rich because she gave when she had nothing. Those two pennies were all she had to her name in that moment, but God meant so much to her that she was willing to give that to him. That is truly being rich. That is the face of generosity. That is the type of generosity that we should strive towards. And my final thought this morning that I want you to think about as you guys get ready to enjoy Mother's Day and all the activities that come with that is that a generous person is rich towards God. A generous person ultimately is rich towards God. And Jesus says this in his Sermon on the Mount, and this comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. And he says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Jesus says, also in the gospel of Matthew, that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and mind and soul. And the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. That is what it looks like to store up treasures in heaven. Everything that we have here is going to fade away. All the money in the world can't buy you God, can't buy you heaven, can't buy you salvation because God already bought that for us. It's not for sale anymore because it's been purchased by the blood of Jesus. So we, we can't have that. We can't attain that. That's why we need Jesus. And out of his generosity, he purchased that for us. And this stuff that we have here on earth, this iPad, this phone, although they're amazing, trust me, look, I love Apple products. You give me an Apple product, we'll be friends for life. But I can't take this to heaven. I can't take that stuff to heaven. If I somehow come across tens of millions of dollars and buy all the things that I ever wanted in this world, if I was able to buy the rights to the Avengers movies and have say in how they made things, because that's surely what I would do if I had millions of dollars, which is exactly the reason why I don't have millions of dollars. I can't take any of that to heaven. None of this stuff is going with me. I can't come up to the gates of heaven and say, look, Jesus, look at my things. Look at all my stuff. Can I bring it? Can I, can I bring it in? Can I put it here? Can I do this? Can I do that? Can I show all the people, all of my accomplishments, all the stuff that I achieved in life through my success, through my wealth, through being greedy and getting all of these things? I can't. My car's not going to be up in heaven. My house isn't going to be up in heaven. Nothing that I own will be in heaven. It's all going to rust and it's all going to fade away. The moment that I die and I am in that grave, it is gone and meaningless and it does no good for anybody. But if I am generous, if I am generous with my time and with the things that God has blessed me with to be a blessing, maybe somebody's life will be changed. And maybe they will understand the generosity of the God that we serve. And maybe they will be in heaven with us celebrating not the things that we have, but the God that we serve. Because he's so amazing and he's so generous in love that we can be generous in love in everything that he has blessed us with. 
Generous people are rich towards God. And when we are rich towards God, we are rich towards his kingdom and towards the people that he so loves on this earth that he sent his one and only son to die for. That is what generosity looks like. To truly live in this life, we must be generous people. That is the truest life you will ever live. If you are generous with all that God has given you, if you don't hold things with a closed fist, but you are able to give freely when God tells you to, you are a generous person. And I'm not telling everybody in here to go sell your cars, your houses, give away all your possessions now so that you can be poor and all of that stuff. That is not what I'm saying, but I want you to understand and I need to understand that everything that I have, the clothes on my body, the house over my head, the car that I have to get around in, the money that I use to buy food and to pay bills and all of that stuff, it all comes from God. And if he tells me to give any ounce of that away, I must because I have it because of him. And I can't hold on to it as if it's mine because it's his. And I will give of that freely when God tells me to give of it freely. So we're talking about corrective lenses. And today, the corrective lens we need to put on is generosity. So we've got to pick our lenses. And I wear contacts, my vision's not perfect, so I always remember going to the store and picking out glasses and always trying to choose the coolest ones. So this is our opportunity to choose the coolest lenses in this moment. And we can either choose the get-rich lenses, which are the lenses that we are born with, and it says that other people exist to make my life more secure. Other people are here so that I can be more comfortable and happy. People are potential resources to bring me security, comfort, and joy. And I measure my success by how much I can get from others. If I have more security and comfort, then I am successful. Those are not the lenses we want. We want the be rich lenses. And these are the corrective lenses that we get from God the moment that he became the savior of our lives. The moment that we understand that what he did on the cross for us, that act of generosity changed everything. We get these lenses. And they say that I have been blessed to be a blessing, that God put me on this earth to make it a better place, that I measure my success by how much I can add value to others. And rather than take, I give security, comfort, and joy to other people. And I find that it is truly more blessed to give than to receive. So my question to you this morning is how will you be more generous? Whatever that looks like, how will you be more generous? And I challenge you to find ways to become a more generous person, to understand the generous God that we serve and emulate that generosity as we go through life. What can you do? What can you do? It could be so simple as giving somebody a piece of gum when they ask for it. I literally have had people give me gum on days that I forget to carry some form of breath refreshment on me. And that makes my day because they were so nice. It could even be so simple as giving somebody a smile or a hug or anything. 
but are you willing to give when God tells you to? And are you willing to give what God tells you to? So I challenge you with those questions. Let's be generous people, church. It starts here. The world will change through our generosity. And not because of anything that we've done, but because the God that we serve is so generous that that's why we're able to be generous. It starts with us. And you never know, no matter how small the act is, and no matter which way it comes from, you never know how your generosity can change somebody else's life. So with that thought, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for who you are and for all that you are doing in our lives. And I pray that you would help us to be more generous. God, generosity is a foreign concept to us. And we may get it sometimes, we may understand it at certain points in life, but I pray that it would be a part of who we are that you would make it a part of our makeup as people that serve you and that follow you and that want to give you everything. I pray that we would place our hope in you because you are the foundation that will never crumble. You are the foundation that will last through all times. So I pray that we would look to you always and put our trust in you always and put our faith in you always so that you can work through us, so that you can help us to be generous in whatever way we need to and in whatever form that comes in. And that we can see lives changed because of your selflessness and your generosity because of your great act of sacrifice on the cross to purchase us, people that didn't deserve it, but people who are now changed to be a difference in the world, to make a change in the world, to be a blessing in the world, because we got that from you, because all that we have comes from you. God, help us to understand that all the rest of our days until we go to be with you. And I pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at www.riversideconnect.com dot org.